Well, hello again, everyone. Uh, my name is Dan Haugland, and I'm here again with my wife, Kelly, and we're um, in the midst of a two-part, I guess, a series of our testimony um, that we're bringing here to the group. Last week, we talked about humility, and uh, that was kind of my side of our story. Uh, and this week, Kelly's going to talk on the topic of forgiveness and uh, her experience that we went through in God, bringing us through some very dark times and redeeming our lives and our marriage and our, our love for him. So just so you have some context, um, I was going to do a quick just two-minute recap for everybody. Um, last week, I spoke about um, just my life as a young man um, from boyhood on. I uh, was filled with a lot of fear and just a lot of uh, overwhelming, um, I guess, self-consciousness and things like that, basically due to losing my father at a young age. Um, nine years old, my father was killed in a car accident and kind of led me on a path of a lot of fears through life. So um, in high school, as I got older, uh, that's the first time I ever heard the gospel, and I was actually saved in high school. And during that same time period, um, it's also when I first tried alcohol. And unbeknownst to me, it was going to start me on a, on a road of a lot of conflict for many years. But I had found something in alcohol that um, kind of satisfied and took care of all those fears that I had. And, and I had a, an idol now that I would battle with for many years. But um, anyway, fast forward, um, you know, my faith, newfound faith, I struggled with on and off through high school and through my college years, uh, mostly revolving around, to be honest, just me not um, taking the sanctification um, aspect of my faith serious, not putting in the effort and doing the things that, um, I guess, position ourselves so that the Holy Spirit can work in His grace. I just didn't do those types of things, and it, it ended uh, very poorly for me. So as we went through college, Kelly and I met, and we were married soon after college, and even after five or six years, we had been married. Uh, and we had a good marriage at that point, and things were going fairly well for us, but um, after about five or six years of marriage is when things uh, took a dark turn for me and I started hiding my alcohol use more and it turned into a full-blown addiction by um, probably about 2003, 2004, somewhere in there. It took me on a road of about three or four years where it just snowballed to the point of being totally out of control and uh, through a long excruciating years of doing that and uh, putting our marriage at risk, it brought me to a, a crisis point in my mid-30s where um, one day, just a defining moment in 2007, in the fall of 2007, I decided one morning to just expose all my sin to Kelly and I came clean with her um, just because it was eating me alive inside and I got to a point one, one morning where I just told her that I have a drinking problem and um, I needed to get help and um, it was a excruciating time but it was a beautiful time because it turned us on a path um, of God's healing over the next many years. So um, over the last 14, 15 years, God has done amazing work in our life. He's grown us and um, I ended last week um, by reciting Psalm 32 and I did it because um, even though most of us know that Psalm is um, David, um, David's writing after his uh, sin with Bathsheba, um, it really resonates with me because it's a man that just is really uh, rejoicing in his justification. He um, is just so overwhelmed with the Lord's forgiveness that even though he knows he can't go back and undo his sin and the consequences, that he's standing in, in justification um, before the Lord and he is in love with his Savior. And um, it overwhelms me to think that I was in that same position. But the topic of forgiveness is a good transition point. I'll hand it to Kelly. And on that same um, topic, she'll give more of her experience through our life. 
Well, hi, I am Kelly, as Dan said. Um, I grew up in, just to recap again, I grew up in the state of Wyoming and came out to uh, Minnesota for for college and and uh, met Dan my freshman year. And then we started um, dating and uh, my second senior year and then got married a couple years later. Um, I do want to start this with kind of a, not a caveat, but just kind of a, a remembering that Dan, you know, this story is 15 or so minutes and we're whizzing through so much. And we know that we still have problems. We still are, 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 are married. We're still sinners. We still, you know, do things that frustrate each other. Um, so this sound is, or this story may sound like, well, now they have it all together, but just remember that we don't. So I want to start um, with with a story. My favorite story is from uh, the third book of the Narnian series, a, a Horse and His Boy. And there is a boy, and his name is Shasta. He is running away from a a person who he thought was his father and is running away on a horse that belongs to another man who at the time Shasta thought he was being sold to. And so this horse is a Narnian talking horse and he is running away to Narnia to try to be free. Well, in the midst of their travels, they are chased by a lion and they meet up with another rider and another horse, um, and this is Erebus, and she is also running away on an Arnian horse trying to get to this land. Well, as they try to to get to Narnia, of course, there's so many problems and lots and lots of lions, lots of lion chases and scared of these lions. They also intercept information that there is a king of um, Arkenland, King Loon, which borders this land of Arkenland, borders Narnia. And they find out that Prince Rabidash is going to go and um, attack this land. And so now they really need to get to this king and warn him. So as they're traveling, and like I said, there's lots of, of, of lions that are attacking. And at one point, a lion rips into Erebus and there is a, a hobbit or not a hobbit, excuse me, a um, hermit that is there and takes her in, but tells Shasta he has to run. He has to go. And um, he winds up getting a hold of King Loon. He meets their, 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 their um, hunting party and he warns them King Loon gives him a, a regular horse, and a, a, not a Narnian horse, but a regular horse, and he winds up being left behind. And so at this point, he, Shasta, is so, so sad, and he is just empty. And at this point, another lion shows up. And the book says, and being very tired and having nothing inside him, Shasta felt so sorry for himself that the tears rolled down his cheeks. And what put a stop to this was a sudden fright. Shasta discovered that someone or something was walking beside him. And this voice says, tell me your sorrows. And Shasta goes on to tell this thing 
of all of his sorrows and misfortunes, the poor me. And the voice says, I do not call you unfortunate. And Shasta says, well, don't you think it was bad luck, like even to meet all the lions? And the voice said, there was only one lion. Well, how do you know? And the voice said, I was that lion. I was the lion that forced you to join Erebus. I was the lion that comforted you among the house of the dead. So I'm hearing Job in my head. I was the lion that drove the jackals as you slept. I was the one that pushed you in the boat when you were an infant to a fisherman. And then Shasta says, then it was you who wounded Erebus. And the voice, Aslan, says, it was I. And Shasta says, what for? Child, said the voice, I am telling you your story, not hers. I tell no one any story but his own. So you see, I saw myself in this story, and I see myself even more so in this story as I read it again, as, you know, many years later. But I asked the questions about Dan, asking God, do something with him. But it really wasn't my business, because God was working on him. He was working on Dan's story. Yet simultaneously, God was dealing with me and my story. What my business was, was my heart. God needed to deal with me. So when Dan was living this life, I was completely in the dark, which you may think, how? Well, see, I came really from a dry family. Alcohol wasn't an issue. We had it in our house to make things like beer bread or beer cheese soup, but that was really it. It wasn't necessarily off limits. It just wasn't an issue. I knew that Dan liked to drink, but from what I knew, it was just beer, nothing hard and nothing that I thought was overtaking him. And before our son was born in um, 2004, I began feeling and just really noticing that Dan was becoming more and more distant. I gave him space. I tried not to bother him with problems. And I just really tried to make up for Dan's absence and tried to be all things to to our, our, our little baby. So I smiled and I laughed through it all, making sure that our home issues wouldn't affect um, Aaron. And from, but yet from 2004 to 2007, I did life almost completely alone. I protected my husband's reputation, though. I didn't let people in. I didn't want them knowing that there were problems. But really, in reality, I didn't really know what was happening. I would purposely try to find something every day to be grateful for and press on. I remember pipes broke in our third floor of our house, and I had to deal with it. I had to go to a hotel and um, with our dog and our baby and um, deal with the cleaners and deal with everything. Um, but I, I found joy in it. My parents moved to Hong Kong to be missionaries when Aaron was six months old, really leaving me alone in a lot of sense. But I really found joy in that. I was so excited for them. Now, before you think that I had no fault in this or that somehow I was the saint, my heart was getting darker and darker. I really began sinning 
toward Dan, and my heart got very hard and cold toward him. I remember calling Focus on the Family at one point, saying, I think my husband's depressed, and we, you know, is there a counselor? And they set us up, or they gave us some names, me some names, and I told Dan that I was going, and Dan said he would come with me. And the first time we went, I remember the counselor saying, Kelly, I think that you don't really need to continue. I really think I need to deal with Dan. So this did little to bind our marriage together, but it did validate that what I saw going on with Dan was, wasn't in my head. I wasn't going crazy. But I thought, I thought he was depressed, or, or maybe worse. I even thought at one point, maybe he's having an affair. So for four years, we lived in silence toward each other. And when the silence was finally broken on Labor Day weekend, 2007, which was my deadline for God to do something. Otherwise, I had a place lined up back in Wyoming where I'm from to live just in a girlfriend's basement just for a while. I just needed a break. But yet in God's kindness toward me, he told me he had been that Dan, Dan told me that he had been drinking um, about two liters of vodka a day along with Vicodin for this extreme back pain that he had. But literally all the puzzle pieces came slamming together in my mind. So where do I go from here? Our finances were an absolute mess. Um, Last week, Dan mentioned that we were over $100,000 just in, in consumer credit card debt. We had no idea how we were going to get out. I did wind up getting a job at an accounting firm in Minneapolis, and I remember at one point calling Dan's mom and crying and saying, I don't know what he's going to choose. I don't know if he's going to choose me or if he's going to choose addiction or his alcohol. But yet after four months of sobriety on his own and failing really as many times as he tried, he decided he would go get help. But I knew now that I had to begin to forgive I couldn't follow my feelings. I had to forgive. It is so hard to trust someone you, that you need to trust. And it is so hard to forgive someone you do not trust. It's exhausting. Forgiveness took time, and I had to let him back in. I started by, you know, just simply inviting him to come with us to our activities and was continually surprised when he would say yes. But yet Colossians 3.13 was a verse that would be right in front of me, and it says, Bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against you, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. I already knew quite a, you know, a lot about the word, but I really started to study the sovereignty of God. So based on what I knew and was studying, I knew that God was omniscient, that he had total knowledge of everything that was going on. I knew that he was omnipotent. I knew he was all powerful to change things, to change me, to change Dan. And he's omni- he was omnipresent. I knew that he was here. He was present all the time, both of us at the same time. But I also came to deeply know and understand that God never causes sin, 
but uses sin sinlessly to bring glory to himself. I learned that I could trust God when all around me was falling apart. He was sovereign over all things. He was using Dan's sin and my sin sinlessly to change us. I knew that even if Dan did choose alcohol and if he left us, I knew that God would still be good. He was still going to be sovereign over all of this. But yet at that point, he had my full attention. God wanted me to rest in him. So choice by choice, decision by decision, I rested and obeyed. Psalm 121 says, I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he keeps Israel with he who keeps Israel will neither sleep nor slumber. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out. You're coming in from this time forth and forevermore. So forgiveness became a choice, and then it became a habit, as I realized that God was dealing with us separately, yet together, just like the story of uh, that I kind of began with. But as I began this long process of forgiveness, I realized that God was calling me really to do more than forgive. He was calling me also to submit to my husband but I didn't exactly know what that looked like and how. I am somewhat strong-willed and a little stubborn, and I knew I needed to, to submit that. I needed a submissive heart towards Dan, and I needed to submit in, ap- in action. I studied the Word diligently, began reading deep theological books, and listening to people who articulated the gospel and theological themes so well that it absolutely changed me. No longer was I believing the lie that God somehow awarded me based on how I behaved, but because of my position in him. I remember talking very frankly with Dan, my struggle with submitting simply to let him know that I was trying, which often looked like maybe I had stopped caring about decisions and just went along for the ride. I really think that I kind of struggled in my head more than I struggled in, in doing. So it's like, my will, do I have one? My calling, did it matter? Yet yeah, one time I remember Dan giving me an, an image that changed how I saw him and how I saw um, the leadership in our home. He said, Kelly, as, um, you know, as a husband, when I go before the Lord, I will have to give a much higher account as a father and a husband. So this godly pressure that he was under, that Dan was under, to make sure he was trying to do the right thing, not just by me, but by the Lord, it weighted on him deep. And this changed a lot in trusting him. So in this process, I began letting people from our church in. I had people literally running toward me, not just in pity, but in deep, true friendship. We had a couple show up at our door with a check for us to pay for all of Dan's treatment. I had what I call them beautifully nosy friends, especially one 
who continually ask me questions, pushing me for truth. I was able to seek out godly counsel with so many women in this church, and I had the opportunity to to really be taken by the hand and race toward maturity in Christ through his word. And this, again, is where Dan and my story intersect. Dan was doing the same things. He was chasing after the Lord, and God met him through his word, through faithful pastors and teachers and men from this church. So separately, yet together, Dan and my hunger for the Lord began a journey of deep theological study, understanding who God truly is and understanding repentance and grace and justification, which is, you know, just being declared innocent, righteous, and holy. Unforgiveness was really a poison in our marriage, and God was unrelenting in me, understanding that if God was truly going to use us, I needed to release the sin done toward me and trust that if God is truly sovereign, if he is truly good, then I needed to obey. As time has moved forward, I can see looking back that God has used both our sin sinlessly to change us and to pour into other people's lives. The Lord used this next verse in my life to really catapult me toward forgiveness, and I pray that it challenges each of us to forgive as we have been forgiven. Ephesians four thirty one through 32 Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Thank you.